does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, winners here. It's the 8 o'clock hour. Be safe out there, everybody. If you're uh, going into work, going about your day, if not, uh, just be inside. Dial us up right here on the fan, or uh, you can always check us out on the YouTube as well. Let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us at 8 o'clock here every single Friday. And, Greg, I got passed a note. I mean, this is pretty cool. Greg's going to be hosting uh, a new show here Wednesday, 6 o'clock, on the Horizon League called On the Horizon. Greg so first of all congratulations what's the what's the setup of the show going to be do you think Sure. So this will be kind of this will be a build up to the Horizon League men's and women's basketball tournament being here in Indianapolis they play the first and second rounds on campus sites they bring the semifinalists here to Indianapolis and play on back-to-back days so what it'll be it'll be kind of a weekly update as to what's going on around the league hear from the players of the week each week you'll hear from top coaches you'll hear from you know kind of other personnel in the league office other college basketball newsmakers alums etc cool basically what it's going to be is a one-hour window each week to kind of let people know hey there's this really cool college basketball event that is entering its fifth year at the indiana farmers coliseum and we're going to let you know more about it so 60 minutes dedicated to the horizon league each week and it starts next wednesday Rake, are the Mastodons still leading that conference? Um, depending on what happened on Wednesday night. So IUPUI kind of had the uh, the early flyer on Wednesday, playing a noon game against Green Bay and lost. But going into Wednesday, Fort Wayne had a half-game lead, but the top eight teams in the league were separated by a game. And I kind of think that's what it's going to play out the rest of the way. I'm not sure there's that big of a difference between the top five or six teams in the league. He is a great, great Greg Shaw. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Let's go back to what we just chatted about uh, before you came on, Rake, and that was Chris Boward's comments from yesterday. I'm sure you saw some, if not all of it. Any grand takeaways by what the GM had to say after year seven heading into year eight? No, just kind of what we had talked about in in general in terms of, hey, you know, it's a disappointing end. Significant progress was made. You know, I described it on the post-game show as now you're worried about the micro and, and not the macro. There's the obvious, to some degree, concerns about Anthony Richardson because you didn't see the full sample size, but, but what you did from a small and then just kind of, you know, off the field in the locker room, you kind of like everything about him, um, you know, off the top. You know, the the I wouldn't say admission, but the acknowledgement of, listen, you can be a little more aggressive in free agency because you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal for the next four years. And, and, and just because, you know, you've got some key pieces, they have to have make a decision about re-signing, but there is still some room under the salary cap for this team. You know, in the obviously Chris wouldn't talk about, you know, specifics, but you're looking in the neighborhood of $70 million again. A good chunk of that's going to go to guys you want to bring back. But at the same time, because your draft pick is is kind of mid-round, you know, you're not going to invest a lot of money in, in terms of, of, of the guys you're going to draft. So just at what position or, or where do you look at maybe bringing in a veteran for agent or two? So, you know, that kind of catches your attention. But, but Kevin, as I'm sure you would, you would agree, you know, Chris is really good at these big-picture talks at the end of the year. It's, it's a good kind of insight into the franchise, and clearly the franchise is in a much healthier spot than it was at this time 12 months ago. Greg Regstraw with us here on The Fan on this Friday joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, can I go back to the just your thoughts on you know the end of the game, but not only that, just the loss itself from Nico Collins kind of going wild to uh, at the end the fourth and one call, the third and two call, all the happenings that went on there. What did Greg Regstraw think as you're watching this game? The Colts had every single chance, and then in the end, unfortunately, not only was it heartbreak, but the next day, Jacksonville spit the bit you could be sitting here hosting a playoff game tomorrow afternoon in Lucas Oil. Yeah, obviously disappointing is the easiest word to use. Um, in, in terms of the final play call, 
I understand not giving Jonathan Taylor the ball just because it was clear that, that he was playing hurt at the end of the game uh, and, and didn't have the same acceleration or burst. So And, again, that goes part and parcel with not only was Jonathan Taylor playing hurt, Braden Smith wasn't playing at all, did everything he could to try to play the last couple of weeks and just couldn't go anymore um, at the end of the game. And so that makes fourth and one a little bit more dicey. At the same time, if you're not going to give him the ball, at least have him on the field. Um, and, and I, again, I also understand the, the play got the guy open in terms of Goodson. Um, I'd still rather see the again, not the way that was designed, but I'm still like, hey, if you're going to give me, you know, the the, the RPO that this team has been known for, uh, and and run seemingly more than anybody else in the league, um, use you use guys like Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Make sure you have your best players involved in the play. So throw could have been a lot better. And even though it's behind the running back, you still got to catch a pitch, it hits you in the hands. Um, and, and I'm sure that will be something that will be in the mind of, of Shane Steichen from now until not just next season, but now for the rest of his <laughs> Forever. career. Yeah. You file that away for future years, yeah. He is Greg Rakestraw. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. We got Marion County semifinal action. Uh, coming up later tonight, we'll chat with Rake about that in just a second. Um, I want to ask you one more Colts-related one. I think it's easily the most notable list of in-house free agents in the Ballard era. Uh, I would kind of tier four of them above the rest. That would be Michael Pittman Jr., that would be Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, and Julian Blackman. Of those four, Pittman, Stewart, Blackman, Moore, who's the easiest to replace? Probably Julian Blackman. And, and, I, and again, I, I think that, again, I'm, I'm not sure what the market's going to be for him. Kind of like I would say about Kenny Moore, I think there's a chance that all four guys are back because, again, it, it, it is you know Chris's M.O. Uh, to invest in your own and kind of regardless of position, if you think that player is of quality and kind of fits the culture of the team, then you're going to bring him back. Um, but again, you have to acknowledge injuries have played a part in virtually every season that he has been here. And even in a year where he played really well and was healthy until late, a late injury cost him space on the field. Plus, you know, you've got Rodney Thomas, you've got Nick Cross. Um, and again, you know, Rodney wasn't playing as much at the end this year. You've got to read something into that. It's not just, hey, Nick Cross has been playing better. No, it also means that the guy in front of him left an opening there as well. Um, I think I think somehow, some way, Michael Pittman Jr. will be back. I think Grover Stewart will be back. And again, I, I, it, it's obviously a different Kenny Moore over the course of the last couple of years from his outlook as to what the market is going to bear out into more of, I think, what his role is going to be here. I've always thought that of, of those guys – Blackman was maybe the most likely to not come back, but at the same time, I also am not sure exactly what the open market is going to dictate to him, which may make him affordable to keep for this football team. Greg Gregstraw with us here on The Fan. Uh, before we get to some high school stuff, I, I know your schedule obviously is going to be busy. Uh, I might as well ask about the Pacers. Um, this week we've been talking a lot about Halliburton goes down, uh, what I've described as a grim scene where he's being taken off, the towel over the head, and everything else. So be reevaluated in about two weeks. We know this West Coast trip is coming up in Atlanta tonight, and then out West the Pacers go. How do they keep their head above water and then I guess just your thoughts on the scene there. Halliburton kind of does the splits, and the first thing you're thinking is, oh boy, how long is he going to be out? Andy, welcome to the nightmare of Pacers fans. Just because <laughs> so I've have, learned. You know, in, in, in the days after Reggie Miller, we have seen this play out. I mean, it, it starts with Paul George in Las Vegas. It goes to Victor Oladipo here, and you're just like, this can't be happening again, right? Um, I, I, I am not one to believe in, uh, in, in curses or, or continued bad luck. But, man, I was thinking about it the other night. I mean, you're just like, I've, I've seen this script before. This is the next guy, and it seems to be, you know, you put Paul George in a class over Victor Oladipo in terms of the extended period of time in which Paul had played well for this franchise. And 
the level to which PG had carried them, at least the Eastern Conference Final. You know, Victor was more of a, of a one-year wonder and a comet. Um, you know, and, and that team, while taking the Cavs to seven, that was in the opening round. So let's put those two guys in different strata, even though injury stories are easy to compare, you know, kind of of the two. Halliburton is much closer to George. I don't think he's surpassed him yet, but he's clearly kind of on that track. But you just have in your mind, last week he's the leading vote-getter in the NBA All-Star game that's going to be played in your building. And he gets hurt less than a week later. Now, thankfully the news clearly is better than what the opening moments of how that felt indicated. And so, you know, if he's playing in two weeks, it's probably closer to three or four. In other words, going to be reevaluated in two weeks. You're just trying to kind of, you know, claim as many wins as you can. You know, there's going to be some nights of ugly. It was a wonderful rally by the team to beat the Celtics. You know, you get the luck of the draw in terms of the Wizards. Um, you, know, you get a Hawks team that's not great, but a Hawks team's probably waiting for you after you embarrass them last Friday night, uh, coming up this Friday night. For the Pacers, is just kind of try to get through this as best as you can. Try to be as close to 500 without him as you possibly can. This gives other guys a chance to showcase their skills while he is out. Uh, as long as this is short-term and not long-term, I think this can be a blip on the radar of this season. Yeah, six-game road trip. Where do you sign up for two and four? If I was Rick Carlisle, yeah. yep. that, that's kind of where I'm at here. Head into the longest road trip of the season. He is Greg Rakestraw. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake Marion County semifinals tonight uh, from the Great Southport Fieldhouse, North Central and LN at six. The game to follow Franklin Central and Warren. Uh, did we expect those four to be at Southport? The only surprise I think would be Franklin Central, although it's, it's not a massive surprise. Uh, you know, they beat Ben Davis by three. They won a couple of very close games to get to this point. And, and they were a young team last year that took their lumps. So even though there was a coaching change, and the guy that coached them last year and Chris Byers, and they'll be back on the other sideline with Warren Central, you knew there was talent in the pipeline uh, at, at Franklin Central. So this is their first Marion County semi in 10 years. They have not won this event in 2007. The other teams are kind of the usual suspects. you know. And, and LN is clearly the top team in Marion County this year because they're one of the best teams in the state. Uh, North Central is solid, uh, even if they're young, just two seniors, both of them play significant minutes. And Warren Central is just tough. Warren Central is not going to be mentioned in terms of the top teams in the state, yet they have the chance to knock off anybody they play because, again, they have young talent that's been there forever, guys like Zeke Kirby and and Javon Guest that are both third-year starters, and they're just juniors. So, uh, again, LN is the favorite but it's not guaranteed that LN wins both games, let alone tonight. There will be pretty competitive games all three to get played the next two nights at Southport Fieldhouse. Rake, if I gave you the two teams with the buys, if I gave you Baltimore and San Francisco and I get the field, would you feel better about what you've got or what I've got in winning the Super Bowl? I'd take the two teams with the buys. And again, I, I don't think... I think the difference is more pronounced in the NFC than it is the AFC. And, you know, history tells you somebody's going to come up lame at some point in time. Uh, you will not see the best effort of one of the one seeds. Um, so maybe there's a little more competition, I would say, in the AFC. Uh, but, uh, you know, treat this like the NCAA tournament. If you give me the chalk, I think I've got a better chance. Uh, it would not surprise me if we see a Ravens-Niners Super Bowl rematch from a little more than a decade ago. And we saw that game just a few weeks ago in the regular season. Right, great stuff, man. Uh, what's on the docket for this weekend for you? So, Marion County semis tonight. Uh, Brownstown, Carmel tomorrow. Those are my games. We will have all three games coming up this weekend from Southport Fieldhouse. Uh, both nights, free streams at ISC Sports Network and IHSATV.org. Again, television with double header tonight and television to see Jack Benner. Fingers crossed, because we've had Brownstown three times this year, and he's not played in any of the games. It's our final chance to see him during the regular season. Uh, he played both games last week, so we're hoping we'll see Jack Benner that's bound for Purdue tomorrow night at the Eric Clark Activity Center. Boy, and Rick, I'm just now seeing this from Kyle Nedrup. I can't believe 30-year anniversary of Blue Chips coming up. Uh, Frank Furt's going to do a little tribute for that Saturday night. 
And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that is actually going to be on our network as well. Uh, so we actually help the Frankfurt kids, their students. They have something they call the Hot Dog Network, uh, where they produce games. We help them with some announcers and things like that. Um, but we will be doing that game tomorrow night as well. And, yes, uh, there will be Western University Dolphins here. And if you have <laughs> never been inside Case Arena, A, it's a bucket list in terms of Indiana Gymnasiums. you got to check that out. But they do a wonderful job of featuring, like, the history of that program. And there is very much a Western University Dolphins display as you walk in to Case Arena in Frankfurt. So iscsportsnetwork.com will have that one tomorrow night as well as uh, it is retro night, knowing that that movie was produced 30 years ago and hit theaters either spring or summer of 1994. Wow. Yeah, I've seen the pictures wow. of that arena. That is a cool-looking arena. The pride of Brandon Crone and the Frankfurt Hot Dogs there coming up tomorrow night inside of Case Arena. Ray, thank you, my man. See you, guys. That's Greg Greg Straw right there, Payless Liquors Hotline. If I threw that one at you, Baltimore, San Francisco, or the field? Yeah, I, I I disagree with Rake on that one. You're going field? I, I, I would take the field. Here's why. I'm still not a believer in Lamar Jackson in the postseason. What is he, one in three? I need to see it. I, I'm Listen, Baltimore is the best team. He's the MVP. I'm not taking away anything that those teams did in the regular season, but I need to see it. I need to see the deep run from the Baltimore Ravens. That would be number one. Uh, and then number two, d- does it come down to how much do you believe in Brock Purdy? And I have been fighting with that all season because I'm not a Brock Purdy lover. But, but, but you're Bro- skeptical but, of the Cowboys, but so I'm, walk I'm, me through this I'm, NFC oh, for you. No, I know I hate the Cowboys. Well, I I'm guess. not skeptical okay, of the there Cowboys. There you go. All right. <laughs> I, I stand the, corrected. I, I hate the Cowboys. I don't want to see it happen. Uh, but if you gave me all these teams, I get you know I, I get the wild card weekend teams essentially, and you get those two teams. Um, again, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. Can Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl, take a team to the Super Bowl? The rest of that team is locked in. I understand you're going to have to go up there in San Francisco, Santa Clara. I get it. Uh, and then can Lamar Jackson kind of get all those demons out that he's had in the postseason? So if you're giving me those two storylines or everybody else, I guess I'll take everybody else. What would you do? I think you're taking Baltimore and San Francisco, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I like Dallas, but it, it's hard to get away from the one seeds at home. I, I think I understand the Lamar conversation. I also think this is the best he's walked into a playoffs of the wideout group. Um, I know the Mark Andrews injury is big, but with Zay Flowers and Odo Beckham and Rashard Bateman's had a few moments. I mean, th- th- there's just a little bit more to work with here from a pass catcher standpoint. Uh, and then on the flip side, I just think San Francisco even I mean, they don't they don't need that much from Purdy. Like if he can just be competent, uh, assuming McCaffrey's healthy, you know Debo McCaffrey and Kittle, it speaks for itself there. So, uh, and, and of course, you know home field no matter what for those teams. And it seems like both of the two seeds, they just there's just a little bit of question mark. I mean Buffalo could have not been in the playoffs. Oh sure, yeah. You know here at the final week of the season, and with Dallas, you know as you've laid out, you know so eloquently, uh, they have not had playoff success really uh, at all here, especially. As of late. So, again, a reminder for tomorrow, two games, Texas and Browns at 430. Cleveland is a road favorite there by two. Kansas City with a wind chill hovering around, what, 25, 30 below. Uh, Eight o'clock kick from Arrowhead. They are a four and a half point favorite over the Dolphins. That is Tyree Kill's return game to Arrowhead. And then Sunday, Buffalo, the biggest favorite of the weekend, 10 points over the Steelers at one o'clock. Cowboys and Packers, the biggest over-under of the weekend, 49 points. Dallas, a touchdown favorite over Green Bay. The Lions at home, a field goal favorite over the Rams on Sunday night. And then to round things out, two banged-up quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield, a Philly a slight road favorite over Tampa. Uh, I saw our guy Mark Dykton before he goes in to do whatever he's going to do here. He uh, he said we need to give we also need to give him our pick. So at some point here on the show, we need to tell people who's going to win oh, okay. so they can fade against us and make some money this weekend. I have three quick questions before we get to a morning checkdown for you. You ready for this, yes. Kevin? All right, just about this. Number one. If the Colts were in the playoffs and going to Kansas City, 
how would we view the cold weather and what the Colts have? A good thing? No, a yeah. bad thing? An yeah. offensive line? Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Short passing game? The Colts can't throw it in a controlled climate. <laughs> Who cares if it's in a controlled, yeah, exactly. terrible weather? Yeah. Exactly. Hey. Did you see Jonathan Taylor on Saturday night? <laughs> I'm with you. I think I'm, that would work. I, I, listen, I'm with you. I just want to I want to throw that one out because these are storylines we could have been talking but about. But they would be if, hosting Cleveland. Well, they, well, that was, well, that's the other thing, and that's the bigger thing, was if they were hosting Cleveland, what would be the conver- – what would the Joe Flacco conversation today be? be like on a Friday because Flacco is a fun little story. Ah, we have fun with Flacco and now you got to play, you got to play Flacco. And I think there'd be a lot of orange in the building. Oh, uh, there's uh, there's no doubt. There'd be a lot of orange. And then my third thing to stew on, how much are Colts fans rooting against the Texans now? Because for now, the Titans are off to the side. Vrabel, the big bully's gone in the AFC South. They are in a rebuild, and they're in a rebuild with Will Levis. Uh, okay? So, like, I'm not, like, the Titans right now, I, you can hate the Titans, but I'm pushing the Titans aside. We'll see who they hire, how they build that team. Jacksonville, the, I mean, just just the, the just a face plant from Jacksonville where their coach goes hot seat, Trevor Lawrence, maybe not quite the upside, the quarterback that we thought. They're going to lose like Josh Allen maybe off their team. You know, Jacksonville, very questionable. The way they ended the season with what they should have been, could have been. I mean, they're a team that I just can't write in for 10 wins next year, winning the AFC South next year. I'm not ready to do that. Wasn't ready to do that this season. Definitely not next season. So the Texans had the season that the Colts kind of wanted to have. New coach. They got to see their quarterback become the star, one of the stars, one of the talks of the NFL. They make the playoffs. They beat you at the end. They actually win the AFC South. So, but I, I haven't felt that there's been, I don't know if hate, hate's a strong word, but well, you know, sports hate. Yeah. I haven't felt that with Houston. Do we feel that now? Are we rooting for Cleveland to win on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Houston is the new boyfriend that you liked before they became the new boyfriend. You know? Fair enough. Like, you want to be that. <laughs> I want to date her. I don't want him. I mean, he's you a nice be guy, the boyfriend. I don't want to be, yeah. I want to be there. I want to be 430 tomorrow. I want Tariko or whoever's calling that game. Quinn is shaking his head. A lot of he's in high school. A lot of high school drama with boyfriends and girlfriends. I I assume. So there you go. So we're rooting against the Texans because I'm good with that. Plus, I'm rooting against the Texans. I, I I like the Cleveland feel good nature to it, and that's more towards the fan base, not necessarily towards Deshaun Watson. By the way, for those that missed it uh, yesterday, uh, I encourage you all. Maybe wait till ten o'clock. But uh, Rick Venturi on with JMV no, beyond great. outstanding yesterday in recapping the Colts season on a variety of topics. And you know, the thing about Rick defines honesty. And I think his answer is Michael Pittman related, really detailed in that. I think uh, you know explains it very well from a fan versus a GM standpoint, and certainly has some opinions on the Colts' defensive approach as well. We'll continue to play Chris Ballard audio coming up here. Uh, Lena to Joel A. Erickson at 9 o'clock as we recap yesterday's uh, press conference. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Chris to end the season. Before all of that, we do got some hoop talk to get to here on the Morning Checkdown. Joining us uh, on this Friday, we'll get to later on some of our picks. We'll keep going with the Chris Ballard Sound big weekend of the NFL. Reminder, Pacers in action tonight. We'll have it right here. 7 o'clock coverage on the fan. Reminder as well, I should say. 1075thefan.com. Tons of content up there. KB's got all of his articles. I have my final regular season power rankings. I know Mark Dykton's always putting stuff up there as well. Corbin's got to write an article on Purdue basketball ball at some point uh, this weekend. Boy, Purdue, Penn State, that should be a close one. Uh, 88-58, maybe. Uh, you'll Whoa. see. You'll see. Uh, I don't know. Purdue, I mean, Penn State's that bad, aren't they? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they are bad. Yeah, they are pretty With bad. 30. 
Uh, coming off that, did I see that UCLA be closer to lost by forty last night? Oh, and they were down. Yeah, they were down huge. Mick Cronin went from like, "Yo, I'll go make a Final Four to being like, Jeez. you know, he's being so bad he might end up at Louisville. As <laughs> the head coach, UCLA that was a stray yeah. towards the Cardinals. Well, I mean, they got to hire somebody, and you know that buyout's going down. Uh, if you look at Mick Cronin, so he could even be fired. You might not even have to pay that. So uh, all that's happening. Find the podcast, obviously, Podcast Center one zero seven five. The fan. Com. All right, Joel A. Erickson joins us uh, from the Star Colts beat writer. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, uh, good morning to you. Stay warm, my friend. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You uh, you're throwing some some basketball takes out there right before I came on. So <laughs> some spice coming through Andy this morning. Do, do, do you have a basketball take you want to get off your chest? He's a Bruce Pearl guy. I I do like watching Bruce Pearl's teams. That's true. I, uh, that, that is true, especially when they play like the press and three version of it. And I don't even know who Missouri's coach is, Joel. Who is it? Dennis Gates. It is. It is Dennis Gates, who I think is very good. Uh, the Missouri is not that good this year, but they were good last year. Uh, they're kind of they're kind of running into a what do we do when we don't have. Kobe Brown situation, but I do think Dennis Gates is good. I interviewed Bruce, I love Bruce Pearl, by the way. I interviewed Bruce Pearl at the Final Four last year, and we talked, you know, get the, you get these guys for like nine minutes, you know, and you can't go over the nine minutes. We talked about, uh, he took his team to Jerusalem, and they went swimming in the Dead Sea. And that's what we talked about for now. Just for an excuse minutes. for Bruce Pearl to take a shirt off again. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm a BP guy, man. I like me some Bruce Pearl. But you're right. I watched Missouri against Kentucky the other night. That's not the same Missouri team as uh, as last year. Uh, they're not quite no, as. No, no, they're, no. They're, they're not the same. No, that talent level's not uh, not quite as high. So Joel A. Erickson with us here on the fan on this Friday. Main takeaways, you know, we've talked about team needs and the, you know, the back and forth there with Gus Bradley and Anthony Richardson and his style of play and some of the things that uh, the Ballard, you know, just the frustration of not making the postseason and not winning the AFC South, but being encouraged, uh, you know, through it all, still being encouraged with what they have with Steichen and uh, still with Anthony Richardson. What were your main couple takeaways from Ballard's 52-minute press conference yesterday? Yeah, I think think one of them was, you know, he kept mentioning explosives on both sides of the ball. I think think that maybe – two different sort of threads going there where it felt like they feel like Anthony Richardson uh, fixes, if, if he's healthy, fixes a lot of the explosives on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensive, I think they probably feel like they need to make some additions there. Uh, and then the other, the other piece was just, you know, we, we've heard Chris Ballard talk about expectations now for, uh, you know, seven, eight seasons. And he doesn't usually steer as hard into – we need to make the playoffs and should be competing for division titles, which is what he said yesterday. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious. You know, they were they were essentially 10 yards away from that this season. But he still, even in seasons where they made the playoffs, hasn't necessarily been um, quite that forceful about it. So that was my other big takeaway. Joel, I might have been reading too much into this, but it seems like we've walked away from Chris Ballard's season-ending pressers, and in some way, shape, or form, he said, yeah, you guys know what free agency is. It's, you know, spending A money on B players, spending B money on C players. I don't remember him getting on that soapbox yesterday, and late in the presser, he said something about, he was asked about wide receiver market, and he made the gas price analogy of, like, if you want to drive your car and it costs $4 a gallon – You've got to spend $4 a gallon, and you've got to have wideouts was kind of what he said. Even then, I was like, oh, boy, that's more of an acceptance, a reluctance acceptance, but I I felt like that's what it was in relation to the wide receiver market. Was I reading too much into maybe like a softer Ballard stance on how the market works and dipping your toes into that market? I, I, I kind of agreed with you, especially when he said early in the presser, you know, that he felt like they had more flexibility going forward. You know, he mentioned specifically that they don't have a quarterback on a rookie contract. I mean, I, I would throw out there, they also do, they, they also have a left tackle on a rookie contract and aren't paying, um, at least at right now, any cornerbacks top. Like they, they're not paying some of these premier positions top dollars, so there right. is cap flexibility there. I, I think we've all said that. I think it was a little bit surprising to hear him say it, just given his given his his – his plays in free agency in the past. Now, I, the wide receiver stuff, is that him 
you know, telegraphing that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get a lot, a lot of money this, sure. this offseason, maybe. Um, but, but on the flip side, I think that there was maybe a world where that was a question going into the season, and it doesn't feel like so much of a question now, at least for me. He's Joel A. Erickson. He watches Missouri basketball, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, we need to get more explosive. That was a phrase that he said a couple of different times yesterday. How much do you think that means we need to go find that outside of our building, and how much of that is, nope, Anthony Richardson with Jonathan Taylor and Alec Pierce uh, being more of a deep threat will cure that? I I think I think that if you're looking for necessarily the super explosive uh, they're signing a number a, a def, a def, like clearly defined. Say they bring back Pittman, and they bring back like a clearly defined number two who takes Pierce's job. I don't know if I'm taking Alec Pierce. And Pierce said, or he, he, his answer on Alec Pierce was basically, he does a really good job at getting down the field. We need to do a better job at getting the ball. Which I, that's kind of where I fall on Pierce. Is that there were a lot of, there were a lot of. I mean, if you look over the course of the season and go back and look at the tape, there's probably. 10 to 12 shots down the field that they should have thrown to him. And I'm not talking about like contested 50, 50 balls. I'm talking about like, you can miss the throw badly and he'll still catch it for 40 yards because there's no one around him. So I do think that they, they feel a little bit of that. I, I, I wouldn't say though that they're necessarily opposed to adding somebody who can compete with him for that job. Um, and then, and I do think I do think that that they do believe that Anthony Richardson fixes a lot of that because Ballard said very early on we were tenth in explosives before Anthony got hurt. And Taylor only played one snap with him. Right, right, yeah, because he he did go into you know you watched JT on Saturday night you saw what a player like that can do. I mean I think I think one of the other things with Taylor is uh, George Bremer and I looked this up uh, a couple weeks ago and I haven't updated the stats but I know Zach Moss was something like a yard per carry better when in games that Anthony Richardson played yeah. versus games he did not play. And if you extrapolate that to Taylor, that's that's a whole different, you know, world. Well, I just go back to the biggest play Moss had all season. Inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, what is it, third and one, the Tennessee game. Yep. Two Tennessee defenders go to Richardson. Moss, who runs a four six forty yard dash, is up the middle and looks like Usain Bolt in the open field because, you know, those defenders were going towards Richardson. So yeah. Joel A. Erickson with us here. He's uh, from the Indy Star here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know we've touched on some of these guys here, but Pittman, you know, we've kind of talked about the tiers of of guys. Are they going to bring back free agents that are on the team? Pittman, Blackman, Moore, and Stewart. Uh, any strong thoughts on either of those guys coming back? Maybe an odd man out as we look at the salary cap and what, you know, what else they could bring in. Any strong thoughts on those four guys? That's it. <laughs> I kind of feel like right now at the start of the offseason, it kind of feels like all four are going to be back. I really feel pretty strongly about Grover Stewart. Um, you know, Ballard said we want him back. I think they, they got a taste of non-Grover Stewart life and probably didn't like it this year. Um, and, and Grover said it. Uh, Julian Blackman, the safety market tends to be a little depressed, so I think that I think there's probably a good price point there. I think if you're looking at one where maybe somebody swoops in um, outside of Pittman, because obviously wide receivers are super highly valued. Um, I, Kenny Moore as a nickel corner and what some team or what another team might be willing to pay him, that's a position where people sometimes, uh, you know, the contract gets to the point where I think maybe maybe Chris Ballard wouldn't feel great about it. Now, I, Kenny Moore wants to be here, obviously. He said that the other day. Um, but if he somehow gets the free agency and I don't know, some other team offers him a ton of money way above what the Colts are asking that, then I could see that maybe being a, a thing. Corner is one of those positions, even the nickel, the slots of the slot corners have gone up recently the last couple of years. That's, that's, a position where, where the, the price can get high really fast. Joel A. Erickson with us here on The Fan. Uh, all right, so the Gus Bradley conversation, uh, I think that, listen, I, I think that 
Fans love Shane Steichen. Uh, Steichen came out and said as much. We're bringing, you know, we like Gus Bradley. Uh, Continuity was his word. And then yesterday, the confirmation that Gus is under contract and will be back next season. Is that a surprise to you? And what is what is your read of the situation with the scheme? Uh, and I think this is going to be an area of disconnect potentially between fans and Ballard and, you know, the people there with the Colts. Yeah, and I think I think that maybe people are underestimating Shane Sykin's role in this. Just kind of drawing some some links between stuff we've heard over the last week. Gus Bradley said last week, you know, that Shane Sykin is very demanding and has a has a hand in everything. Gus or Chris Ballard said the same thing yesterday, um, and you know, Gus gave us some some specifics. He, he specifically mentioned the Cincinnati play, but I keep thinking back to Atlanta. Um, I asked in the post-game press conference, you know, do, you, the, the bad game for the pass rush, do you think about maybe you need to dial up pressure? And, and what Steichen actually said was he pushed back. He said something along the lines of, shoot, I would rather keep the explosive plays, keep those in front of you. I I, I think maybe people underestimate the way Steichen views explosive plays. He, he has said since he got here that explosive plays to him are are incredibly important in any game and that means creating them on offense and keeping other offenses from doing it and you know the way the way Bradley plays playing back in the zone forcing people to throw underneath um, they, they did give up some explosives this year but his system is sort of geared towards that and I wonder if that doesn't play more of a role than we're talking about right now it's just explosive Getting explosive plays on offense, but also limiting them on defense, that that's Steichen's vision. And I, I wonder if that plays more of a role here than just, you know, they coach together for four years and it's with the Chargers and, and continuity and some of that other stuff. I, I think that there's a philosophical uh, alignment there that maybe we're underestimating. He's Joel A. Erickson. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, courtesy of the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I want to go back to the free agent in-house talk here for just a second. I asked this question to Greg Gregstraw earlier, and I'll throw it your way. Of the big four in-house guys, Michael Pittman Jr., Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman, who's the easiest to replace? It's probably Blackman. Uh, you know, we just saw we just saw Rodney McLeod do that that role pretty well the year before. I know it was a terrible season, but McLeod was pretty good. He was on a, if I remember right, I think he was making one point seven seven million a year. Um, I, I think he's. I think that's probably the easiest spot. Is you have to get a veteran. Uh, we've kind of seen that with with them trying to get Nick Cross in that role, but I think that's probably the easiest one to replace. Um, I. Wide receivers, like I know some people kind of talk about Michael Pittman in this way. Really good wide receivers do not hit the open market. They just don't. Um, you're, you're not going to have a, a do we pay Michael Pittman, you know, $23, 24000000 million, or there's another guy in the top 12 in receptions who's also available in free agency for that, that kind of money. That's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would have to say Blackman. Moving on to Anthony Richardson, we heard from him yesterday as well. A lot of playing style related questions to him, also to Chris Ballard. What was kind of your grand takeaway, Richardson? Really, I thought Ballard had an interesting comment about you know he feels like he can be a legitimate passer. That was a big takeaway that he had. But whether it was that or playing style, what were your takeaways from Richardson? Uh, Richardson, Richardson, sort of. I, he, this is hard to explain. It, confidence, I think, is the best word. You know, in him saying, you know, he felt like if if he was playing, they would have made the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, kind of going back to that. If you go back and, like, listen to that, I, I know there's a way you can take that where it's a shot at somebody. It, I don't really feel like he's even talking about anybody else in that. And I think he might be surprised if, if someone brought that up to him. Um, this is this is a guy who, who really believes in himself, and that's probably good for a rookie quarterback. Now, some of the playing style stuff, I think that we're going to have to, we're going to end up talking about this all offseason. But there's to me, it's an unanswerable question. Uh, it's an unanswerable question about, you know, there there are guys in the NFL who, no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try, they end up getting hurt a lot. Uh, there are guys like Josh Allen who throw their body around 
willy-nilly and don't really seem to ever get hurt, or if they get hurt, they can play through it. Uh, there's pocket passers who are who have, have injury issues. It, it kind of runs the gamut, and it's hard to predict what Richardson's going to be. We kind of have to wait and see. I mean, obviously there's a concern there, but in terms of trying to figure out like what it's going to look like going forward, there are also guys who got hurt early in their careers and then for the most part didn't really get hurt again. It, it, it's It's all over the place in terms of – how injuries are going to impact a player. And it's hard. It's it's probably the hardest thing we do is try to figure out what that future is going to be. Yeah, I, listen, we have to play the hits here, and you're going to have to write about it. I'm already dreading the conversation for the next six months over, is Anthony Richardson going to run the ball more? <laughs> is he going to stay healthy? Uh, but it's obviously one of the main conversations. Uh, stemming from that, Gardner Minshew, what do you make about him? Do you think he's back? And if he's not back, how high on the priority list is backup quarterback given Anthony Richardson missed, you know, essentially the entire season, it seems like, this year? I I think I could be wrong. I mean, we're coming off of an offseason where Minshew got $3.5 on a one-year deal. Um, that's not a super heavy investment. I My guess is that around the league, them getting to 9-8 and eight with Minshew starting most of the games, I think someone is going to offer him. I don't know if it's a, a – I don't think anyone's going to offer him like a starting job or a starting contract. I think someone's going to offer him an opportunity, similar, maybe similar to the one he had here, and they might, they might offer him more money, um, a lot more. You know, Andy Dalton, I think, got somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight million dollars last year. There's a couple other backup quarterbacks you got, you know, in that eight to ten uh, range. I think there's a chance that he gets a lot more money, and maybe the Colts move on. I would kind of like if he does, if Minshew does move on for a chance to start somewhere uh, for a, a, a spot where he he might not be sitting behind a player who's clearly the team's the team's goal. I would like to see them sign somebody like a – I don't know if you can get him away from the Ravens. He's a free agent, but the Ravens are, are generally pretty smart about the way they operate. But somebody like a Tyler Huntley who plays more of Richardson's style as a runner, and maybe you don't have to rip out so much of the playbook if Richardson goes down. That's, that's just me. But I, I do think that Minshew ends up getting more interest in the, in the free agent market than he got last year, and that might lead to him being one and done in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm looking at Huntley right now. Huntley is a free agent. He signed a one-year, $2.6 million deal to stay with the with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, last year he played and played well, right? Kept them in contention and, you know, more than in contention. Definitely uh, they, they, you know, could have made a run there. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent, so he's a name that you bring up. And, again, he made less than three mil last year this past season playing for the Ravens. Yeah, I just I just keep thinking about there were a lot of games. There were some games where the running game looked really good against good defenses. I mean, obviously they just played one. Um, the Cleveland game is another one. But there were also some games in that middle stretch where they played teams that are terrible against the run. Carolina sticks out. Um, I think Cincinnati was pretty bad against the run. And they, got, they, they essentially got shut out completely in those games. And I, I just think that it seems to me that with this, with Steichen's offense, at least what we know of it now, having the quarterback run is such a big part of what they do in the running game that I, I would just kind of like to maybe not have to lose some of that when, if, if and when Richardson has to, has to miss, miss time. Joel, if I gave you the two one seeds, 49ers and Ravens, and I took the field, would you feel better about what I'm giving you or what I'm getting? Wait, which one do I have again? You've got the one seeds. You've got the Ravens and 49ers. I I get the field. I feel better about the one seeds in in this play. Like, if you look at the AFC, I was just thinking about this the other day. It feels like everybody two seed on down has like a, has a clear flaw. Um, and then the Niners, the Niners, the Niners just seem to be like a, a guaranteed NFC Championship game participant every year, anyway. And they feel like they're in a pretty strong place. So yeah, I would, I would take the one seeds. 
He is Joel A. Erickson. A whole lot recapping yesterday from Chris Ballard and hopefully or should be some quiet weeks on the horizon, which we have not said in recent Januaries. <laughs> Joel, enjoy the quiet time. I hope I didn't jinx it. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you said that. I mean, right? That. I mean, Joel, in all seriousness. I can't believe it. <laughs> what, what, oh, no. what would be on the horizon? What outside? I mean, Gus Bradley's coming back, right? What what would be there? I, Jim Bob Cooter's not being interviewed for head coaching gigs. Am I missing something? Yeah, I, no, I I don't I don't think I don't think you're missing anything. But there's just there's just been you know you know Kevin. I don't believe in Jason. these off seasons. I'm just looking around every corner like what what could come up that that we're not thinking of right now. Um, but but you're right. It, it doesn't seem like there's anything on the horizon. Oh, and I mean, look. whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Colts have been very well behaved off the field this year, so I I, I don't think anything would arise. <laughs> nothing, nothing will happen on I'm that sure. end at all. Uh, Joel, uh, hopefully you can enjoy the quiet time, man. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out uh, hanging out with us here in the drivehuber.com studios. Hopefully uh, everyone's staying safe out there. It's going to be uh, a wet day today and uh, a cold weekend, and next week's going to be cold as well. So it's great to watch some college basketball. Pacers in action tonight. All the NFL will talk about it here on the fan. Reminder, Pacers are back in action tonight. They're in Atlanta, 7.30. That coverage, I should say, that tip-off, 7 o'clock, the coverage tonight right here on the fan. Man. Uh, okay, so let's dive into this. Chris Ballard um, alluded to a couple positions of need, and obviously if you're a fan or media, you watch the team, you think, okay, there's a couple different positions we may need. And then to tie it in with something I said, you know, I know Brock Bowers and Keon Coleman, the wide receiver there at Florida State, you know, you start looking at these mock drafts, there have been offensive guys tied uh, to the Colts there drafting in the, was it 15, drafting uh, in the middle coming up in a couple months. The other prominent, prevalent position is corner. And I mentioned the two different corners there at Alabama being possibilities there in the middle parts of the first round. So what did you make of what Ballard said or didn't say and kind of what's on your short list as we turn to that part of the offseason? Well, let's put a little bow tie on what you just said there about corner at 15 and what it would mean for Kenny Moore. You know, the one thing, the Colts drafted three corners last year. It was very notable. Obviously, they committed to a youth movement. But whether it's Juju Brents, obviously Darius Rush is no longer here. We saw Jalen Jones this past year. Or even go to the Dallas Flowers, who got hurt early in the season, lost for the year when he tore that Achilles. Andy, they're all outside corners. Nobody's a nickel. Nobody's a slot. And that's what Kenny Moore plays. And that obviously is a position that has really, really grown here in the NFL over the last handful of years. So, um, And free agency is also a month and a half before the draft. So you're going to have to make a decision on Kenny Moore before you make a decision on you know what you do at number 15. So um, if there's one little nitpick maybe from last year in drafting all those corners, I would have liked to have seen maybe one of them be more of kind of that inside slot guy where you maybe could pass the torch from Kenny Moore to that guy or may, maybe feel a little bit more comfortable. Because right now, nobody on the roster sniffs a replacement for him. You know, as far as needs, um, basically indirectly Ballard said – guys that are more explosive offensively and guys that stop explosive plays defensively. You know, we need to get more explosive was what Ballard said. Now, I think there's an element of Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor together can create a lot more of that. Remember, they played one snap together. And Ballard mentioned yesterday, you know, Richardson, when he was in the lineup, I think the Colts were 10th in explosive plays. But Andy, when he was in the lineup, Jonathan Taylor wasn't next to him you would think Richardson and Taylor together would give the Colts a legit top 10 explosive offense. Now, I still think you need to add a pass catcher to create even more of that explosion. I know Ballard falls into the camp of Alec Pierce will become a little bit more of a threat with Richardson at quarterback. But when you just look at that statement, we need to be more explosive. Again, personnel-wise, that means, in my opinion, another pass catcher, and then it means reinforcement in the secondary. So that is corner and safety. Clearly you have big decisions on Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman, but I still think even if you were to bring those two back, you need some reinforcements there because those are two dudes you just can't afford to lose 
uh, look at what happened when you didn't have Julian Blackman out there Saturday night. Uh, so which way would you go right now? Because the sexy thing is I still get, li- give me Bowers or give me a Keon yeah, Coleman. I, That's the sexy I thing. I still like speed edge rusher. We can get into this debate a little bit more in the coming weeks. And I know Ballard was – his quitty pay answer yesterday was a little bit higher on him than I would be. Um, if you look at the quitty pay pressure numbers, if you look at the disruptive nature to quitty pay's game, honestly, Andy, Tyquan Lewis – brings more to the table than Quiddy Pay playing half the snaps. So that if the right guy is there, the speed, you know, twitchy to use a draft term, if the really twitchy speed rusher is there at 15, I probably go there first. But I do think wideout Bowers is very close on the list and I don't think corners too far. Those 3 are on a tier but man, that speed edge rusher. I just think that can do Wonders do you like Jared Verse from Florida State? Boy, that's getting into the weeds. I yeah. don't know if people have even I seen mean, Turner, that much out of Florida Bama State. Has been, right. uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the UCLA kid's name, but he's got some medical questions. But you know, I, I think a lot of people like him as well. But if I'm going to tear it out, and again, we'll see what happens in free agency, but if I'm going to tear it out, that's I, just, I still think the speed rusher. The speed rusher can cover up what you do in the secondary a lot. And if you, again, look at the consistent pressure numbers for Quiddy Pay, if I'm going to give him that fifth-year team option, which is, I think, north of $13 million, that's a big number for a defensive end for an edge rusher. You better be a consistent pressure guy. And he's not that. He's not that. If you look at Tyquan Lewis, he's giving you more. Dio Adengbo's giving you more. There were moments this past season, Andy, where I'd look down and I'd be like, wait a minute, 51's not even out there on third down. You would have DeVorest Buckner. You would have Tyquan Lewis. You'd have Dio Adengbo. Obviously, Samson Ebicom would round out those four. So, um, yeah, that's where I would go. I know that that there's also part of me, Andy, that goes there because I know it's the most scarce. Sure. Right now, there are whiteouts galore in the draft. And, I mean, look at the best whiteouts in the NFL right now. They're not all these first-round picks. Uh, I mean, hell, you had the one draft with, what, Debo and DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, and I think I'm forgetting somebody else, all in that second and third round range there. Uh, Whereas I feel like the edge rushers, boy, a lot of them, a lot of them go very, very early. Now let me ask you this as well. Now that Gus Bradley is settled in, you know, (laughs) <laughs> he's back next year, but that doesn't mean he's back the year after, you know? I mean, especially if they allow damn near 30 points a game, you probably look and say, okay, it's a couple years with Gus Bradley. If you miss the playoffs next year, it's like, okay, maybe we could do a little bit better. Is 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 fit the worry at all with, with any position? Uh, specific, I don't know. I guess I look at that in corner. I think everyone kind of wants the same thing at corner, but you know how you'll hear in the draft season, well, such and such likes those big corners, right? Like, who doesn't like a corner that's 6'2"? Right. And, and Bradley's obsessed with them. But, I mean, Bradley is obsessed with them, with the big, long corners. But I, I don't think they need that. I think now you need nickel. You need slot. You need Kenny Moore 2.0. Yeah. Kool-Aid McKinstry, like he's an outside guy. Yeah, like I he's an outside, hey, I want to be a number one corner type guy. He's not an inside guy. I mean, yeah, he's not. I, I think outside it's a trio of Dallas Flowers coming off the Achilles, Juju and Jalen Jones, and you hope you see growth there. And part of it's just you, you can't constantly draft at every single position. You know, you got to rank them a little bit, and I think Nickel needs let, to rank let me, higher. Let me ask you this. If I gave you... If I gave you, and this is just fun draft talking, we'll have months to do this. If I gave you on this snowy Friday or sleety, rainy Friday in Indianapolis. I wish it was snowing. The, this weather, <laughs> the, the, the rain sucks. I'm with you, actually. If I gave you a, like a Keon Coleman, the third, perhaps fourth wide receiver in the first round. Okay, If I gave you that or Brock Bowers, which one are you? Uh, see, and, and the reason I ask that is I don't think Bowers gets to the Colts. But I also don't Bowers know. Bowers is a fun piece. I just don't He's know what I, I don't Shane know Steichen. what to do because we have seen first round, you know, some first round tight ends yeah. haven't quite worked out. Kyle but, Pitts, Eric Ebron, but Bowers, guys. but Bowers is a beast, and like you said, you can get wide receiver, you know, third round, fourth round. I mean, you can get. Other, I think you know, he's a free pretty, agent. I think he's a pretty shiny toy for Shane Steichen. I mean, they They're, just have very little at that position. I know. There's part of me though, tight ends that I, early. I just, I, I, I know. That's what I'm striking like. Football-wise, it doesn't no. make sense. Here on January 12th, I'd say no. You'd say no. But, boy, that, that, that hurts you to say that's no. That's a hard no. Yeah, you're hurt right now. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like, I'm saying no, but I want to say yes. That, that's a, I want to say yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joel A. Erickson talking Chris Bauer next.